0: All right, so we are in week 11 on a series uh, through a teaching on the role and the work of the Holy Spirit. And we've covered a lot of things over the last uh, 12, 13 weeks or so. Um, And so what I want to do this morning is just to go back and to recap just a couple things. I want to go back really to just the very beginning. We talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit has been active in all of God's work since the very beginning of time. Well, the scripture tells us that in the beginning, God, that word God speaks to the triunity of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was, was without form, and it was void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. Then it says that the Spirit of God, God's Holy Spirit began to hover over the face of the deep. The very Spirit of God, the power of God hovered over the earth and that word hovered could also be brooding like a mother hen would brood over her chicks for the purpose of giving life. And so the Holy Spirit from the very beginning was active in the role or in the, in the triunity of God to bring life to us. The Bible says that God formed man out of the dust of the ground, breathed into him the essence of his spirit, breathe into him the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was breathed into man and man became a living being. So the Spirit of God jump-started the Spirit that He gave to man and produced at that time, I won't go really deep into it, I just, I just can't help but teach this and kind of tie, the, you know, tie up the loose ends. He breathed, God breathed into us in that moment, eternal life. We were created as eternal beings. The Holy Spirit of God on the inside of us from the very beginning. But that, that union between God and man was severed when Adam sinned in the garden. And so then we became mortal beings. Death entered into the world. Death is not the absence of life. Death is the turn apart of two things that were Meant to always be together. We were always meant to have the presence of God in us. We were robbed from that when Adam sinned in the garden. But Jesus came. And there's a passage of scripture that says, Jesus came to once again establish the connection that we had with the Holy Spirit. And he said, unless I go away, the comforter won't come. But when the comforter comes, it's a game changer because he won't just be with you like I'm with you, but he'll be. So Jesus comes back, breathes on man, and says, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. I believe, I believe at that moment we didn't get the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost didn't come until later on in the book of Acts. I believe what what Jesus was saying is, because you believe in me, you have salvation now. I'm giving you now the thing that was stolen from you in the beginning. I am restoring eternal life to you. But But that's not enough because I'm going away. But when I go away, the Father is going to send someone just like me. That's what, the, that's what paraclete means. Just like me. And when he comes, he's going to give you eternal life. And you will receive power after he's come upon you. The Holy Spirit comes to give us power. And he also comes to seal us as children of God. So today I want to I want to go uh, back a little bit and reach back and recap some of the things I talked to you about last week when I talked about being sealed by the Holy Spirit. I want to pick that up and do uh, uh, basically a, a part two of this. So we're going to call this Sealed Two. Sealed Part Two. I want to refresh your memory that a definition of seal is something that's used to preserve a product to prevent tampering. And I I, I brought a bottle of of salad dressing in last week. Remember that? And I had the, the seal on there, the tamper proof seal that said, if this is opened, do not consume. And it had an expiration date on it saying, if this is expired, don't use it. That seal is to certify that this product has been preserved and has been tampered with. I also said the definition of a seal is a device or substance that is used to join two things together to prevent them from coming apart and to prevent anything from passing between them. And if you recall, I brought in a P-trap. That's the thing, for those of you that aren't plumbers, that's the thing that goes underneath your sink that kind of sits there as a little bowl and there's a purpose for it. I won't go into all the details, but suffice it to say that if you're not a plumber, that is probably the most cumbersome thing you could ever work with to try to get that thing sealed, man. And on the inside of that apparatus, there are seals at every joint. And those seals are there to keep that dirty, nasty water that gets up in that P-trap from coming out. That's what the seal does. Then I said also that a seal is a definition, by definition is a design stamped on a document as evidence of its authenticity. Remember I I showed you the seal of the United States? And I said that that seal is is basically the emblem or the symbol of our country. And anything that's underneath that seal is, is protected by what that seal represents. All the resources, all the power, all the benefits that come along with that seal comes underneath there. Then I showed you my birth certificate, my proof of being a United States citizen. Born in North Pole of Fairbanks, Alaska at St. Joseph's Hospital on February 25th. I'm not going to tell you the date. I'm let you guess it. <laughs> proof of my citizenship. And then I showed you my passport. And I told you that on the passport, there's this thing, I didn't bring it today, there's a statement that says, the person carries this passport should be granted all the access and privileges of a citizen of the United States and the protection by your country as if he was a citizen of your country, or better yet, a citizen of the United States. You guys with me? And then I said this, that as a follower of Christ, we have a seal that cannot be broken, can't be tampered with. It'll never come apart. It'll never expire. It's a permanent seal that carries the power and the authority of the kingdom of God, and it's guaranteed to endure forever. It's the seal of the Holy Spirit. Then I said that the seal of the Holy Spirit permanently seals us in Christ. Passage of scripture coming up here for you out of 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 21. It says, God who established us with you in Christ has anointed us and has put also his seal. Everybody say seal. seal. Put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Then I went to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, where Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. He says, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And I want to focus today on these next two verses of this text. In him also, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Listen to this now. Who is the guarantee of your inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now, I want you to take note of a couple things here. Here's what it says in the text When we heard the truth of the gospel and of our salvation and believed in that moment, we were marked by the seal of the Holy Spirit. And the idea here is the Holy Spirit seals us and says, This is my stamp of ownership. This person belongs to me. He's mine. He belongs to me. Verse 14 tells us that this is our guarantee of our inheritance. I love the word that, that Paul uses here. Guarantee in the, in the Greek means down payment, an earnest agreement, a deposit It implies a serious commitment that carries a guarantee or a promise that there is still much more to come. (laughs) How many of you have bought a house? Let me see your hands. How many of you want to buy a house? Mm -hmm. Listen, when you buy a house one of the first things they ask you for is what? Down, a down payment. Earnest money agreement, right? And that agreement is to show that you are committed to this process of buying this house. It's a promise that there's more to come. That this is just the initial payment. There's still more. And I'm committed to paying this more. The presence of the Holy Spirit in us is a statement that we belong to God. Through Christ, he has purchased us. Christ has purchased us by his blood, and we belong to him forever. And God says, the Holy Spirit is the partial payment that's given towards our eternal account. (laughs) Stay with me on this, (laughs) because when I've The Lord first gave this to me, I was like, but God, it's a partial payment. I mean, you're God. This is God, the Holy Spirit. Stay with me now. Because remember, an an earnest, a guarantee is a statement saying, a commitment saying that there's more still to come. See, every follower of Christ, when we embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ, We go through a three part process of salvation. The three parts are justification, sanctification, and glorification. Is it on the board? Justification, sanctification, And glorification. Justification happens, as I said, the moment that we repent and embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ, the scripture tells us we stand justified in the righteousness of Christ before the Father. The moment that takes place, the moment that that takes place, the penalty for our sin has been paid and our debt that we owe because of sin in our life is removed We're redeemed from the curse of sin and our name, get this now, our name is written in the book of life. Justification. Second part of the process is the progressive work of the Holy Spirit and every life of the believer is sanctification. As we surrender our will to the will of God, the Holy Spirit begins to work by work Piece by piece eliminate sin issues from our life. He purges us. He prunes us. He presses us into more of an abiding relationship with Christ. So that at the so that at the end of that prog- that process when we swing back out of that abiding relationship, we can see the fruit of the Holy Spirit which will speak to our relationship with Jesus. That's sanctification. It's an ongoing process that will continue until Jesus either cracks the sky, comes back and gets us, or until we pass from this life to the next. And the third part of our salvation is called glorification. It's the transforming of our present temporary mortal bodies into a perfect, sinless, deathless, immortal body. We're living out the first two parts right now, sanctification and justification. And let me stop for a second because You heard Chris say this earlier. Man, life down here can be tough, can't it? I mean, life can be tough, man. My wife is at home with her foot laid up on the bed because she slipped off the porch and broke her foot. I'm watching my wife hobble around in pain. Tough, man. Last August and and this last February past, I experienced in those two months, two surgeries within the last year to repair this broken down, older, (laughs) aging man, body parts wear out. Life is tough, man. Life is tough when when you're in a relationship that seems like it's just going nowhere. You've asked God to save your husband. You've asked God to save your wife, but they're still out drinking. You've asked God to save your son, but he's still getting high. You've asked God to save the heartache of your daughter or your son. Save them from the heartache that's impending if they continue on the path they're on. And you grieve. You have a job you can't stand. Your car is falling apart. There's more money. There's no money. There's more month than there is money before you get paid. Your wash machine just broke down. You don't know how you're going to fix it. You guys following me? It's life, man. Life here is hard sometimes. Battles are tough. Physical, emotional, spiritual battles just keep coming in wave after wave after wave. Can be overwhelming. I gotta tell you, man. Sit there with this couple last night at my house. Been following Jesus for a long time. Battle weary at this point. Love God, but have considered walking away from the church because they are so battle weary. It's tough, man. One of these days, this is all going to be over. One of these days, this is all going to be done. And what I want you to see, what I want you to walk out of here today understanding about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is our spiritual earnest money agreement that guarantees that one day we're going to have a new body that the situations that we encounter here are going to be all gone, passed away, removed. We will exchange our problems in our mortal body for the eternal pleasures of heaven and an incorruptible body. It is going to happen. I want to spend the rest of our time together today reading some scripture to you. And I want you to follow me, if you will. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Drop down to verse 50. You know what? Stay at verse 50. Let me read something else to you. Let me go up to verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and our faith, your faith, is in vain. Verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Verse 50. I tell you, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit The imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in the in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body, must perishable body, must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable, the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come it shall come to pass the saying that is written, "O death is swallowed up in victory. Oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, my beloved sisters, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord, in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Just flip over to the right. Just a few books. To the First Thessalonians. Drop down to verse thirteen. You know, sometimes when the Lord leads you a direction, you have no idea as to why, but I, I'm, I get it now. <laughs> now, I, um, my father had a pretty rough upbringing. Um, he was raised by his mother, um, his dad. I met his father Twice. I never knew my grandfather on my dad's side. Never knew my grandfather on my mom's side. My father, I think, was raised by his mom until he hit age 13, and then he became waskly. That's another term for disobedient and rebellious. I like waskly better because it's easier to say. When my father hit that street, that stretch 13 where his mother couldn't do anything and his mom actually said, man, I, I, I'm going to kill him if I don't get him out of here. So she sent him to his sister in New York who raised my dad, I believe, until he was at the age where he could join the army. And then he went back and reconciled with his mom. This sister of his has always been his closest sister and she passed away recently. It's the first time in in my dad's life that I watched my dad wrestle with something and not be able to face it. I've never seen him do that before. When he found out his sister was sick, he said, I just can't go. See her, I can't. I I just can't. And I talk with him for over the course of about a week, a couple weeks. I said, Dad, you know, I just don't want you to have any regrets. I, I just don't want you to wish that you had seen her one last time. And he said, Gray, I can I've talked to her on the phone. She understands and she gets it. And, you know, then he, we can over-spiritualize things. And I'm I'm. Now, I can't speak for my dad. I don't think that he was over-spiritualizing things, but, but here's what I do know. I do know that my dad could not go and be with his sister because it was too tough. So she passed away not too long ago, and my dad just got back. I haven't had a chance to talk with him yet. But here's the thing that he knows because we talked about it. This is not the end of the story for him and her. As a matter of fact, it's just the beginning of the story. She is where we are striving to go. She is where we are living to go. Remember, death is not the cessation of life. Death is a turn apart of two things that were always meant to be together. And when we have the Holy Spirit in our lives and stand justified in the righteousness of Christ, we pass from life to life. We have eternal life right now. We pass from life to life. And my dad, my brother told me that my dad did an amazing job eulogizing his sister because he knows. This is not the end of the story. That's my notes. So I got to figure out where I'm at. <laughs> First Thessalonians chapter four, that's where I'm at. Verse 13. Are you there? got to wait till my eyes clear. I have tears in my eyes. But I do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. That you may not grieve as others who do not or who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you, By a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of a trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. The Holy Spirit is our seal of our inheritance. One final passage. Turn to me, with me over to Revelation chapter 20. Remember, I said earlier that the Holy Spirit has been at work throughout the course of humanity from start, and now we're going to look at what it looks like close to the end. I still hear pages turning. John the Revelator writes When I saw an angel coming down from then I saw an angel coming down from heaven holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit. Praise Jesus. Man. Come on now. That rascal's been plaguing us. Since the beginning of time, and that's never been right. Thank you, Israel. He's been plaguing us since the beginning of time, man, and one of those big, bad, buffed angels <laughs> gonna come down with a chain. I don't know. I just got—I get this visual in my, in my mind. You know how you have a, a, a like a, a comet and it's got like a, a, a tail behind it. You know, you got the comedy, you got the tail. I just, I just get this visual that this angel's coming down like this, and this chain is long. Because I think he wants to, I, I think he wants to, like, saran wrap Satan. <laughs> and he bound him for a thousand years and threw him into a pit and shut it and sealed it over him. That said he might not deceive the nations any longer until a thousand years were ended. And after that, he must be released for a little while. Boy, you know, I know we get an audience with God. I'm, I've, I have some questions for God. I, I, I'm, I'm like, why are you letting him go again for a thousand? <laughs> Man, come on. We know what his end is, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Okay, where am I? Drop down to, uh, drop down to verse 11. No, no, let's go up verse 9. And they marched over a broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of saints and the beloved city, but fire came down from heaven and consumed them, and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne, And him who was seated on it, from his presence the earth and the sky fled away, and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before the throne, and the books, everybody say books, Books. the books were open. No, your name's not in any of those books. (laughs) I'll tell you in a minute. And the books were opened. Not everybody's going to go to heaven. Bible says, Jesus says, Jesus says, and on that day, many are going to come to me and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do all these wonderful things in your name? I cast out demons. I did these mighty works. Did all these things in your name. And Jesus is going to say what? Depart from me. I never knew you that word new in the greek is a term of intimacy it's about being and not doing it's about finding our our position in god through our and our identity matthew with in god through our relationship with him not by the things that we do now james tells us that the doing but the doing should be an outpouring of the, the presence of the Holy Spirit and the fruit that comes as a, relation, as a result of an abiding relationship. So the doing comes out of our being. You guys with me? did I do all these wonderful things in your name? <laughs> wow, man, don't miss this. Depart from me, I never knew you. Those were the fruit of the gifts. Of the Spirit. You ever been around somebody that's gifted and talented? Maybe a good singer, doesn't know Jesus but can move you to tears. Gifted. In this day and age we find people who are gifted teachers, gifted leaders, gifted speakers, gifted evangelists preach for 15 minutes, and 5,000 people give their life to Jesus, and then later on you find out that person's not living a lick of nothing. So it's the fruit from the gift. Jesus says, no, man, I'm not looking for the fruit of the gift. I never knew you. Where are the fruit of the Spirit that can only come through relationship with me? You can't do your way to the fruit of the Spirit. We have to be our way into the fruit of the Spirit. I didn't make no sense. Well, I mean, it made sense, but it's not proper English. You guys understand what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Don't ding me for that, Marcia and Barbara. Don't ding me for that. Um, that was just on me to say. Okay, let me keep going. I'm almost done. Where was I? Where would I stop? Okay. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before the throne of God, and the books were open. Those books, family, are going to be the names of every single person that never surrendered their life to Jesus. And then another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And they that were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. (laughs) Then death, Hades, hell, were thrown into the lake of fire. And This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. In, any followers of Christ in here? That is not your fate. <laughs> That's the fate of our enemy. He is sealed to eternal death and torment. But for us, our redemption is sealed. Our victory over sin and death is sealed. And through Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, our eternity in heaven with him and those who have gone before us is sealed.